1: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com
0: mobilecom whoa, 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 Yeah. Sometimes we laugh and sometimes we cry, but I guess you know now.
1: Baby. Guests appear on the Smile Center hotline. Now back to the Game Coon Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Baby. Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN.
0: Back in on the Gabe Kuhn Show, 92.9 FM ESPN, and it's time to talk with Ty Richardson, co-host of The Morning Rush, 6 to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday. Um, at ESPN Arkansas, he's on X at Ty Sports Radio. Joins every single Wednesday, talks some SEC, some college football as a whole. Ty, what's the word, brother? How are you, Gabe? The boys
2: are finally back home. Arkansas finally playing the game once again at Donald W Reynolds Razorback Stadium. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of Mississippi State fans, I guess, would make the trip with it being as close as it is to Starkville. So I'm just I'm just glad this team's not on the road this weekend.
0: To be honest, <laughs> I'd imagine. I, I, but your traveling's been fun, I imagine. I mean, oh wins gosh, wins yeah. would have been nice, but yeah, there. I mean, there were really
2: close games: Oxford, Baton Rouge, Tuscaloosa, Dallas. Not so much, but and getting to experience these SEC towns is, is pretty unique, as it probably was for you for going to get different Memphis opponents' towns. I know you didn't get to do as much of the uh, the frolicking yeah, as I got to definitely not.
0: So. Inside of a hotel, looking at uh, buffet lines, and then uh, the the inside of <laughs> Multiple uh, meeting rooms. Yeah, no. I never never quite got to do that. But five straight losses, this has to be the get-right week, right? This has to yes. be. Yes. And Mississippi State's kind of in a similar situation.
2: They haven't won a conference game yet either, so both schools are searching for their first one. And you look at the quarterback situation, don't know about Will Rogers, if he'll play or not on Saturday. Based on some of the things I'm hearing, I, he, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't, which is kind of ironic since KJ didn't play against them last year. And I was hoping to see these guys battle it out like two years ago. But huge game for not just the Razorbacks, but the Bulldogs as well, okay?
0: No question about it. No question. I mean, I, I think for Arkansas, though, like looking down the stretch of their schedule, I I am concerned about them getting to a bowl game. I, I have to say it. I mean, Mississippi State at Florida in the swamp is just going to be a tough game. Auburn, I think uh, we we've seen that they're not very good, and especially offensively, they just do not have a passing game really at all. Um, but then Mizzou, like they have to, they have to sneak out a, a majority of these games, and I'm not fully positive they're going to be able to do that. What, what's your What's your positivity level like right now that they're going to be able to save a bowl game after this five game losing streak?
2: Well, like you said, it It has to start this weekend. But Florida looks more formidable than maybe they did before the season. And with Brock Bowers out at Georgia for four to six weeks, I think that's going to be a lot closer game in Jacksonville in two weeks than maybe we initially thought. So I think that that road game you kind of circled, you can't really do that anymore going to Gainesville. Missouri's way better. They may be the surprise team of the SEC, depending on how their season shakes out. I think Drinkowitz is probably going to win Coach of the Year. So, yeah, it's – it is still not as tough as the stretch they just went through. Gabe, okay, but on paper, it's a lot more difficult than maybe you initially thought it was
0: before this season. Um, for Brock Bowers, I was I was sort of discussing this off-air with a couple of buddies. Should he even come back? Like, obviously, when you look at, like, maybe a national championship possibility, but um, tightrope surgery, four to six weeks, it just feels like this is the top tight end in the class, no questions asked um the n f l is is calling his name i think there's some there's some questions about you know if he does come back how's he gonna look? Would it be a smart move
2: It's a great question uh, i'm gonna be yeah. honest i didn't contemplate until you thought if they're in contingent for a national championship then i still
0: think he'll i come think he'll back. play but should- should he i guess would probably <laughs> be the more the the more applicable question
2: that and i think it's it's always the correct answer from the listeners and the Georgia fans, everyone's like, "Yes, he should yes, play." of course. But we're not in that situation. We're not in the the value like mindset of, "Well, I only have a certain number of years in the National Football League to get the next big contract." If it, if it lingers and injured, so I don't know what's going through his head. He seems like a competitor. I don't. Again, I I don't have maybe the inside scoop that some people in Athens do. So I would guess he's going to come back and play. The, the question you asked is, should he? I mean, you got a chance to be a three-time national right. champion. Kids can't say that nowadays. I mean, you haven't been able to say that since, again, go all the way back, at least back-to-back-to-back to back to back since the Minnesota team did in the 30s or 40s in the year. So I, I would think he'll come back. And honestly, Gabe, if they're a national championship contingent, I think the smart thing is to come back to do something. They know college games are done in quite some time.
0: For sure. And I think on the back end he'll be taken care of anyway. Um, but he is he's, he's can't miss to me. Like, I just look at him um, at the tight end position, his pass-catching ability, it feels like at the next level he's going to thrive just about immediately.
2: Yeah, I mean, and think about it, They had Darnell Washington last year, too. <laughs> they had, they had right. two guys, two freaks to throw the ball to, Stetson Bennett. And the tight end position is so unique. I mean, you played alongside one. If you have a skill set where you, you're you about 6'4", 6'5", can catch and run, linebackers are too slow, safeties and corners are too small, and yep. it's it's the offset. I know people say the great equalizer is the, the running quarterback, and there's a lot of truth to that. But really it's the tight end, especially in the red zone when everything gets so back. And that's why Georgia has been so dominant these last couple of years. And now we're going to see what they can do without the best – not just the best player – in the SEC, but one of them in all of college football.
0: Yeah, and I like just looking at since he's been in college, he leads all tight ends in FBS in receptions, receiving yards, and receiving TDs. He just Jeez. like all the he's got the triple crown for sure when it comes to tight ends in uh, in in the FBS. Now, uh, Tennessee, Bama, what what are we thinking early on this? Tennessee, I think offensively has not uh, still hasn't really quite hit their stride. There's been moments. Um, but defensively they look like a better team. They got the win over Texas A&M 20-13, but they have to travel to Bama this week. We know that last year this game was in Knoxville, and it came down to a field goal. Tennessee was able to get over top. Um, do, do we – I mean, Bama has been sort of it's been a lot of close shaves. I'd imagine this would be similar, but can Tennessee get over top in your opinion?
2: Milton is nowhere near what Hicker, Hooker was last year because he can't – make the short intermediate throws he's got a cannon for an arm we know that but what made hooker so valuable is not only the, the fact that he's been in college for what seemed like a decade is that he can make pretty much all the throws and right. his leadership was off the charts i that's not to denigrate milton but i mean there's just a stark difference between the two they might have a better defense heck they might have a better running game with three head monster but their offense in terms of the verticality is not as good because you couldn't you, you can stay deep on these guys because the, the short throws are just not as much of a threat. And we got to be honest. I mean, you lost Jalen Hyatt. Yep. I mean, he's the, he was the best, in my opinion, the best wide receiver in college football last year and five touchdowns against Bama. You're just not going to replace that type of production. I got the Crimson Tide one on Saturday and a close one. Uh, I picked that before the season. I'm sticking to it, Gabe.
0: Yeah, but it, one thing with this Tennessee offense that they've been able to do, I think, most games, Jalen Wright is a stud. Jalen Wright mm-hmm. really can run the hell out of the ball. And they, and they really do have a two-headed, two-headed uh, attack there with Jabari Small. But Jalen Wright, 7.1 yards per carry so far this year. He's only got the one TD rushing, which is strange. But Jalen Wright is a guy that they need to try to utilize as much as possible if it's going to be possible. But a- Alabama's defense – we do have to give credit where credit's due. The reason that they're still in this somewhat outside-looking-in college football playoff conversation as, as we get down the stretch, reason that is the case is I, I, I believe that defense is all it was cracked up to be with Kevin Steele in year one.
2: Yeah, and I'll say this. Arkansas not having any turnovers last week was a surprise. They played a clean game, two penalties, zero turnovers, but – Alabama's Alabama on defense, not necessarily on vintage what they've been doing offense lately, but they're forcing turnovers and and just making other opponents' lives a little bit, you know, what. And if they do that again this Saturday against Milton, especially in that atmosphere in Tuscaloosa, it's it's just going to be really hard for Hypel to generate the same numbers they did last year. It's not going to take 52 points like last season, I believe, but I do think it is going to take at least 30. And I don't know if Tennessee can manage that based on they've been up and down on offense this year, kid.
0: Now, I want to I transition a little bit to the Pac 12 because last week, I think last weekend, the Pac 12 won when it came to um, sort of what was out there, the national spotlight, of course, Oregon and Washington. But I want to start with USC. We've talked about this on multiple occasions. Um, and I really don't think it was fully the defense's fault, although they did allow 48 points against Notre Dame at Notre Dame, but it was 48 uh, 20. Caleb Williams set them up, though, for, for failure in a lot of ways with the three turnovers. Uh Notre Dame had short fields all night. But this was a full on expose of Lincoln Riley, of USC, and it shows that down the stretch of this season they're due for one one or two more of those, it feels like.
2: Yeah, you had the clunkers last year against Utah and I actually had a friend that was having at the atmosphere game. He's marrying into a Notre Dame family. So oh, that wow it, it that setup is just unbelievable. Right. I didn't know that they, there's a contract stipulation between the two schools that says that USC doesn't have to travel like after October or something cuz I guess the Trojans are too fair too scared to play in the cold but <laughs> yeah I mean defensively that's one of the better teams in the country they they've done a great job I and mean, Marcus Freeman and his staff have done a great job on that side of the football and the offense again capitalize on those mistakes did you see Caleb Williams and that pressure look like he did not want to be there, which I guess after you get blown out and you have your first three interception game.
0: You yeah, call and, eight, and you also realize the Heisman campaign is just dead. It's, it's dead.
2: Yeah, it's done. It's over with. And there's a reason. And you said it last week when we had it. We almost root for guys not to repeat. Right. I'm. I'm going to be honest. I was kind of rooting for him not to repeat, but I don't know who I want to win. I mean, you got – can't, and I, I'll never root for a Texas quarterback to win. But I was like, okay, well, maybe Quinn Ewers will do it the way he's played. But then they do what Lost. they do against Oklahoma. Maybe it's Gabriel. They're, I mean, it really, that Heisman Trophy. Yeah, I mean, we'll get to him in a the second. Heisman trophy race is is wide open right now.
0: Yeah, but Caleb Williams, I, 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 that was just as rough a game I've ever seen him play. And obviously, he got sacked six times. And Notre Dame's defense is very good. But that, that usc team like it's just strange i lincoln riley's teams have their shortcomings usually on the defensive side of the ball but usually they come ready to play i didn't see a team that was ready for the fight they were about to get into with notre dame i don't know if they thought notre dame was going to roll over but they looked completely ill prepared for that game
2: yeah and The deal about Riley, like you said, it's the defense that usually lets them down. But it was really offense, not to say their defense was just giving them every bit of reason to go win that football game. But, yeah, that was a peculiar uh, thing that happened on Saturday uh, in South Bend. And I just wonder, like you said, I don't think that's the only clunker we see out of them the rest of the season. There are some monumental games still to be played in the Pac-12. I can't wait. You mentioned Bo Nix's Heisman Trophy campaign. I mean, what a, what a battle him and Penix had. Yep. Penix obviously still at the top of that list as well after that win. Uh, there are still some monumental games that are going to be played out west, and it's the final year, so we got to pay attention to it one last time.
0: And by the way, with that USC-Notre Dame game, last thing on that, um, I think all around that game was terrible. Um, you had 48-20, so it just wasn't close. USC was not competing in any meaningful way. And I don't know if you watched that game, and and listen to the booth that they had, but I'm I'm sorry, Jack Collinsworth and Jason Garrett as as a booth just ain't it on NBC. That well, that that yeah. was that just jumped out as soon as I, I I listened to them sort of call the game. Just no excitement, nothing, nothing impressed me about the booth they had at NBC. It's nepotism, man. Oh, With I mean, it really is. That 100. And I like I think Chris
2: Collinsworth is is great on Sunday nights, but. I mean, his son is in that position because of his father. And Jason Garrett, I never understood why NBC hired a failed cow and the word is Cowboys head football coach right. to begin with. I just I didn't get to hire and then to put him on Notre Dame broadcast. Uh, just I
0: would man. Keep, what's what's strange about Jason Garrett is they keep running him out there when I think the consumer is has sort of answered um, several times. Uh, most people I talk to. Call from mom. Uh, especially in the business, say that he's just boring. He's just he, yeah. he's not he's not captivating in any way, shape, or form.
2: That doesn't make him a bad person. That no, of make course him, not. Of course not. It, no, it, it's just some guys are meant for this gig, and some guys are. I would be a terrible play-by-play guy. I'd be a terrible <laughs> analyst. I know that. I swear too much during games, and I didn't play football through ninth grade, so I mean my analysis would be would be. It would be dim at the at the slightest. So, but I realize that some guys, I guess, are just in it, and uh, I don't know if Collinsworth is going to be doing that next year. I don't know what his contract looks like. But for Notre Dame fans, I trust me, I've I've talked to one or two of them. They feel that exact same way.
0: Game. Yeah. Um. Now that Washington Oregon game was sort of a class. I, th- I would ar- I would argue game of the year. Um. Just based on it being a top ten matchup, coming down to the final seconds, miss field goal, uh, loses the game for Oregon. Um, I think I think in a lot of ways, though, like Dan Lanning, while he trusts his team, and, and I, I respect that, I thought he trusted his team, his offense a little bit too much. Had two goal line situations where he turned the ball over on downs, uh, went for it at the end of the game with a 33-29 lead on the Washington 47, turns it over to Michael Penix. Michael Penix has a 53-yard field to go score with. He's generally going to make that happen. I do think the game was great, but I hate to say it, outside of Michael Penix being – probably one or two in the Heisman race. One of my biggest takeaways was Dan Lanning mismanaged that game, and I don't know if I've seen that fully um, in in his career with Oregon, short career with Oregon so far.
2: And you know Alabama people were watching that game – once the Arkansas game again was concluded and golly that we should, we should want a Tuscaloosa man. But uh, (laughs) to that point, I mean, there's, there's all this speculation out there. Who's going to take the next Bama job. And I know one of the popular names out there is Dan Lanning. So any mismanagement, any like misfire on his part is going to be viewed by not just Bama fans, but others who think he's going to take their head coach job. Oh, you see this, you see that. And uh, it's a bummer for Oregon because I think they're a better matchup for some better Big Ten and SEC teams than Washington is. And I think Pennix is fantastic. I just don't know. And I know they've got two 100-yard-per-game receivers. I'm just curious how everything else stacks up against, say, an Ohio State, Michigan, Georgia, Alabama, if they are pitted at one another in the college football playoff.
0: Yeah, but Roma Dunsey, Jalen Polk, when Jalen McMillan gets back healthy, that wide receiver core is ridiculous. And they have a quarterback. In my opinion, so far this year, Watched a lot of quarterback play, good and bad. I think that's the best deep ball thrower in in college football right now, Michael Penix. It's just always – he drops it into a bucket. He always gives his wide receiver a chance, and that's all they need too because they're so talented.
2: Yeah, and Gabe, the thing about him, I just love lefty quarterbacks. Yes. I love watching Kellen Moore in college at Boise State. He wasn't the flashiest, but there's something about how they release And Same with lefty golfers. I just think it's so unique. So, for him, he has that draw – He's got the numbers, and he, he just has that it factor like you were talking about. Like you, There are certain guys, if you give it to them with 50-something yards, less than a minute to go yeah. to, you just know they're going to score. And, yes. and he's one of the probably 10 dudes in college football that's in that category.
0: And that's why I wish Dan Lanning would have, have taken into consideration, yes, it's fourth and three. Yes, you want to trust your offense and Bo Nix. They've been playing well all year. Bo Nix is still, I think, in the Heisman race to a certain extent. Um, but you gotta realize who's on the other side of the ball sometimes. You you have to take that into consideration. I don't know if he took that into consideration right there. Now we've talked about Dabo Sweeney and his fall from Grace and Clemson's fall from Grace, but this most recent comment I have not I, 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 I'm assuming you've seen it, Ty, but if you haven't, I'm gonna read it to you. I just can't understand what Dabo is doing when he steps up to the podium. Like the the quote he gave this week was we're at a point in our time, and, of course, they're 4-2. They just had a bye week. They Last time out, they beat Wake Forest 17-12. to 12. Remember, Wake Forest does not have Sam Hartman anymore, so keep that in mind. But he said, we're at a point in our time. If you don't go undefeated, you're losers. You're terrible. Maybe we need to lose a few games and lighten up the bandwagon. Sometimes the bandwagon can get a little too full. That was the end of his quote. Now, I just want to uh, sort of put it out there this way. Could you imagine – Nick Saban ever saying anything like that could you imagine Kirby Smart ever saying anything like that it feels as if every time this Clemson program has gone through its struggles instead of Dabo talking about his offseason and getting into the portal more and trying to uh, you know support his players and their NIL ventures a little bit more it's always him trying to insulate himself. I think before this, he said in that Duke game when they lost 28-7 to to open the year, he said if two two different plays go a, a different way, if we finish our drives, we win that game. He said we're a couple plays away from being 6-0. and So I just, I find it strange his messaging because I think a lot of people want him to learn and it doesn't feel like the messaging he's putting out there is that of someone who's learning along the way. It feels like someone who is trying to insulate himself again from, from criticism?
2: Some coaches are stuck in their old ways, regardless of how old they are. He seems to be one of those. There was the time at Clemson that it was Clemsoning. Like you had a right. great season, but it ended with one or two games that you shouldn't have lost. Then you got past that point, and you started making the college football playoff. You won a couple national championships. And now you're back to, again, Early losses and getting kicked out and wondering, where do we go from here? And you're looking to your head coach, if you're a Clemson fan, for hope, and he's not necessarily giving you what you want based on, again, that quote you just rehearsed. So I think if you're Clemson you're frustrated, again, you referenced Saban and smart.
0: Could you imagine? Like, no chance they'd ever say anything like that.
2: Yeah, and again, what makes Nick Saban the best coach of all time is his adaptability, his willingness to change, though he is stubborn in certain things. He realizes after a year or two, I have to change. And Davo still hasn't done that. I'm curious if he ever does, like you said.
0: Yeah, and it's just like basically, if I'm reading through the quote, he's trying to sell that maybe losing's a good thing, so he can figure out who are real, who's really there for us, who's really are our, who, who our real fans are. Like what? Uh-huh. What kind of message is that? That it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. No. You want all hands on deck. Um, and also, I think when you talk about expectations, I think that there is a in this day and age i mean at bama at georgia like fans can get spoiled very quickly we're we're very familiar with that like if you have a 10 win season and don't make the college football playoff at bama it is a failed season in a lot of ways but when you create these expectations and you show what can be done at a particular program hell we're running into that a little bit with ryan silverfield in the in the lack of results here at memphis we've seen what this program can be so expectations got created and when you don't reach those expectations fans I think rightfully in a lot of ways can get angry with not getting back to where they feel like they should be.
2: Yeah. And for Clemson and it's right next to Atlanta that plays in a lesser conference, you should be in contention every single year that their their expectations that have risen tremendously since he got that team rolling and they're not going to go away. And once you, once you create the monster, you got to feed the beast. That's what the the great Loan Richardson once said. And for Memphis, like, Close to home, of course, where you're at right now, when you think about Fuente, you think about Norbell and some of the things that were going on in the Liberty Bowl when those two guys were coaching, and it's there it's not an, exactly an easy act to fall. People act like they when a coach has success somewhere, it's always an easy act it's not always there's different philosophies, different formulas, different ways of managing your program and Coaches, like when, when I think when fans get the most mad is when they try and lower expectations publicly. When you're asking for donations, you're asking right. for season tickets, you're asking for NIL stuff. And then when their expectations aren't met as a fan base and you try and like belabor those expectations, like what Shane Beamer is doing in South Carolina right now, it ticks people off. And I don't right. know that, if that's happening in Silverfield, Memphis, or not, but I can tell you fans are not happy in Fayetteville or across Arkansas. Fans aren't happy in Columbia, across South Carolina. There's countless other fan bases that would tell you that exact same thing.
0: And speaking of Shane, I mean, just the state of South Carolina is going through it with their football teams, aren't they? Shane Beamer's kicking walls. Dabo's telling his fans that they're full of it. (laughs) State of South Carolina is having a rough week. I have to say, I still can't. By the way, speaking of last week, I cannot understand how South Carolina let that get away the way they did. That was in Williams Bryce. That was awful. That was awful.
1: Yeah. 10 point lead late in
0: that game. And then you, I mean, I do think there's some validity to what I heard from uh, Shane Beamer after the game. He said, we had like blitzes dialed up and guys weren't coming and you know, they just weren't as disciplined as they should have been. I think that that probably rings true. I did think it was interesting to look at how everybody viewed Shane Beamer's post game comments where he sort of, he seemed to deflect, right? He said, it seemed like he was deflecting and, throwing a lot of the blame on his players yeah which
2: is a no-no in the public eye yes you can do that privately you you know that better than anyone coaches got to take it on the chin you get all the credit when you win and you you grab all the blame when you lose that's just part of it when you get that credit when you win you pass to your players you pass to your staff you're getting paid the big bucks you got to when you when your team loses you got to take all the bashing you're not getting paid the whatever millions of dollars he is without it. So anytime that happens, a locker room, depending on how the the form of it, whether it's assistants or players, they don't they don't always adapt to that well. So right. I'm curious against South Carolina had expectations. I mean, they had a strong end of the season last year. I mean, you beat Clemson, you beat you smashed Tennessee. you got some big marquee wins and how this team responds down the stretch and the kind of back half of the season is gonna be really telling about this this squad,
0: and Shea Beamer, too. Yeah. Last few things for Ty Richardson, uh, co-host of the Morning Rush, 6 to 9 a.m. Monday through Friday at ESPN Arkansas. He's on X at Ty Sports Radio. Um, Do you have a feel on this Penn State-Ohio State game? Ohio State, four-and-a-half point favorites, 11 a.m. on Fox. It's going to be an early game. Do you have any feel on this? I think Penn State is one of those teams that never seems to come up big under James Franklin in those big games. Um, But... I do feel like they're slightly different. Like Drew Aller is a real solid quarterback. This is a guy who was the number one quarterback recruit, I believe, in 2022, and he reclassified. And uh, Noah, uh, Nick Singleton, solid running back. Uh, they, they have a, another running back there in that backfield. His name escapes me at the, at the particular moment. The O line's good, good defense. This Penn State team feels different, but again, it's Ohio State at Ohio State.
2: Yeah, you're you're playing in the horseshoe. You're not playing in Happy Valley, and that's a big difference because they've beaten Ohio State before there. I don't think they've ever won in Columbus under James Franklin. So it's it's tough, and they always play them tight, I feel like, but they don't ever come up on the high side when they're on the road. So I would still get the edge to Ohio State being the home favorite, but it's going to be a massive game. And for Big Ten country and, and Big 12 to a certain extent, I know they're not a huge fan of playing that game at 11 o'clock, but it is nice to have college game day on. And instead of turning it or keeping it on ESPN for just a regular right. kind of mid-game, mid, mid game, I mean, you go right to the matchup of the day. You don't have yep. to wait till 6 or 7 that night. It's on, baby. And yep. I don't know how many Penn State and Ohio State fans we have, but college football fans, it's a feast right at 11 a.m.
0: What's your buying on Ohio State though? Last thing.
2: Man, i, I the mean, Notre Dame
0: the Notre Dame game did something for me. I, I will say that. It just in and, and defensively they have been way better than they ever have been, I think, under Ryan Day.
2: Yeah. They I mean, their quarterbacks just kind of uh, nah, you're you're not sold on him just yet. I mean, there's playmakers all over the field like there usually is. He'll get better. They usually do, but defensively, like you said, they've hounded. Teams and just thoroughly dominated that side of the football at times. Anytime you have a staunch defense, it's not going to be easy for the other opponent to, again, figure things out. I mean, that Ohio State Michigan game, if they get by this week, that looms large as it always does. Michigan's got to go to Penn State this year. So I'm still not 100%. So, I mean, Michigan's the team to be in the Big Ten right now, but they are uh, ohio state has a, again, can put can put themselves in a great step because they'll have already beaten penn state michigan's still got to go to happy valley for that
0: game yep so we'll see what happens big ten's gonna be interesting see how it all plays out down the stretch of the season and uh happy national no beard day to you i know you're a, <laughs> you're famously a no, no non-bearded guy
2: Yes, and yeah. by famously, I'm a uh, I'm a feminine man, so I can't grow it <laughs> as great as you can. I wish I could. Do you have to um, like shave? You get a little peach fuzz. You have to shave off every once in a while. Gabe, I shave my beard every Thursday. I'm an every <laughs> Thursday beard shaver. I know you have to either trim or shave, probably. If what, I like
0: if today. I let it go for a full week, Thursday to Thursday, I would look like a mountain man. And I probably would people would really? argue. I people would argue. I already look like that, but. Yes, it it grows in very fast.
2: Let's kill. see. That's a man's man right there. That's why he's anchoring the, the afternoons <laughs> on ESPN ninety because no one's gonna no one's gonna mess with the mountain man.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, Ty, appreciate it, man. We'll do it you again next it. week. Thanks, buddy. Yes, sir. That's Ty Richardson, co-host of the Morning Rush six to nine a.m. Monday through Friday at ESPN Arkansas, um, and he's on X at Ty Sports Radio. There's only one place in town that gives you option after option when it comes to spirits, and that's Old Dominic Distillery. Whether it's gin, vodka, their famous toddy, whiskey, and now they even have bourbon for you. Their newly released bourbon line is ready and available for bottles, including cast strength, one age four years, one age five years. They also have bottled and bond. They are in the area. Make sure you go get your hands on a bottle as soon as possible. They always take care of you at Old Dominic. Get down to that distillery. They show you what you need. They take care of you. 305 South Front Street is where you find it. And check out what makes them so special when you arrive. You can grab a drink at the bar. It'll be a craft cocktail. It's going to be great to sip on. Or you can join them for a tour and tasting in general. You can book that at OldDominick.com. But Old Dominic Distillery, come say hi. Time to hop in to the blitz. First, James Harden is a no-show at practice for the Philadelphia 76ers. Shouldn't be a surprise. And then I think we need to have an interesting conversation about Shador Sanders' and what his future may hold that's next 929 FM ESP
1: we really need new phones T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month new iPhone 15s it's over here. only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for 25 bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch